Welcome back to Balancing Chaos with Kelly and Gretchen. And we are, we work in higher ed and we are currently in the thick of the end of the semester and commencement and graduation season and all of that. So this week we thought we would talk about jobs and careers and all of that kind of stuff. So Kelly has, Kelly's question to answer is, if you could do anything and money wasn't an option, an alternative career from what you're doing right now, what would it be? And I said Cheeto tester, but that's probably <laughs> not a healthy career. So I would say if I could do anything, I would lo- I would be a writer on a comedy show. 100%. Oh, you, you could do that. You should do that. I would that. do like, like Saturday Night Live or Seth Meyers. I would love to be a comedy writer. That would be my number one dream job. Oh my gosh, why don't you shoot for that? I think you could do that. Because it's all in New York City, and I'm not going to live in New York City. Speaking of, I know we sound a little Mayberry-ish about Bangor, but I saw this on my way over here. There was, and I am not making this up, a kid who is obviously just getting out of school on his bike with two fishing poles, and he was riding his bike down to the stream to go fishing. And I saw that, and I thought, our podcast listeners are going to think that's made up. But it is not. So somewhere down on the stream is a like 12 year old boy who is fishing because school just got out and it's a beautiful day. That is. That's like a postcard, isn't it? That is down near where the eagle is to live in Maine. Yes, exactly. In Bangor, Maine. So anyway, so I would have to live in like New York City or L.A. or something. And I don't necessarily want to live there. But that would be my if I could helicopter in and out every day. Sure. Well, I got I had to drop Cameron off. I walked Cameron to school this morning, but I got there very much earlier than the teachers are waiting outside. But there were a bunch of parents. And so I walked over and I said, I have to go. Is it okay if I leave him here? And they all said, yes, sure. And I walked away and I thought, I love that. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because I knew someone would be there. Right, exactly. Anyway, so what would you do if you could do anything? Well, I have two. Okay. It's a tough competition, although one outweighs the other. So I'll give you my second choice first. I would be a news anchor. (laughs) I think it'd be so fun. (laughs) Or maybe a talk show host. Talk show host. Yes. But I need someone to come up with all the topics and get the people. Because we're clearly doing such a bad job with it. We have well, so many cool guests lined up. It, well, no, I think I, we do We do have good guests lined up, but it's not our top priority. Right. If this was my only job. Imagine what ima- we'd be doing. Oh my gosh, it would be We'd crazy. have the best jokes. We'd have the best guests. We would. Because, <laughs> you know, producers, they do a lot for people. Oh, yeah. And Kelly knows because she knows Oprah. Exactly. <laughs> so then my top one is, and I'm going to do this someday. I'm going to be a hairdresser. Oh, my children have benefited from mm-hmm. this dream. Mm-hmm. And I want to open a curly hair salon. We just specialize in curls. And everyone's very friendly and they get a lot of continuing education. They fully embrace curls. <laughs> um, we have all the products at the salon for curly hair. We do, you know how they have like paint and sips? Right. We would do like curl and sips for like styling techniques. On how to work with the different type variety of curls. I'd sell the hats, the winter hats. They're called slaps, satin lined hats. Oh, yeah. uh, For curly girls. Um, Everything would be curl centric. Nice. I need to to get, I need to make an appointment 
for my hair for my summer cut Ditto. pretty soon i need a haircut badly but it's because my problem is even though we have the diva stylists here they're fine but most of them don't even have curly hair so i don't they're not they're only i think scratching the surface of what they could be doing like they don't use the diva fuser which bothers me they don't use the towel they don't use the clips do you have a like a female OBGYN? Yes. So it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it bothers me. Yes. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yes. As another, because we both have curly hair, so we often share our product raves and recommendations and all of that. And we're getting into the good season where my hair really likes the humidity. So does mine. So it'll be, it'll be looking good. So the other thing is that we have the great privilege of working with young adults in our careers that we have now that exist and having been professionals for a while me longer than you because I'm old mm. <laughs> you are uh how old are you again 117 are we allowed to say on this podcast I'll be 43 in July you're not even old that's not even know, old but I'm older than you not that much I remember phones that had cords so. I had that. <laughs> I had. I had. I remember a time where I didn't have call waiting, but I didn't have the party line. Yeah, I had that. So we w- thought we would share some sort of resources and ideas and things like that for people who are for new grads or people who are job hunting and resources like that. So if you can't be a comedy writer or a talk show host <laughs> or own your own curly hair salon, but if you want to do any of those things, talk to us because we'll tell you what we wish we could do. Mm-hmm. Um. What is some advice that you would give to your new your students? I can tell you what advice I give to my students who yeah. are generally entering the field of teaching. Mm-hmm. And I tell them that the first thing they have to do is start their own retirement account with their first job, even if it seems like they're not getting paid mm-hmm. that much. And that's partly because of living in Maine teachers are not part of the Social Security system. And so it leads to all kinds of... You're not? No. Wow, I had no idea. Um, because it leads to all kinds of different issues and can be expensive later on in life and you don't get survivor benefits and all that kind of stuff. So my advice that I tell them right up is start the 401k or 403b or whatever, or an IRA or whatever it is. Usually schools will have an option to pull your money out pre-tax and start that account now while you're young. So that's my like practical advice for when they get a job. Um, Can I just say that I think there's some misconception uh, between Republicans and Democrats, probably not misconception between the two, but misconceptions of Republicans about Democrats that you're not concerned with saving for college. Like, I think there's this myth narrative out there that's believes that Democrats just be- want the government to take care of everything and that they don't have any concern about um Self-sufficiency. Yeah, exactly. And, thing, you know, responsible things like retirement. Right. And that is absolutely a myth. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say as a eventually to be registered Democrat, I'm still an independent. I mean, we have retirement savings and and we don't save a lot for college. But honestly, it's because I work in higher ed. Mm-hmm. And so there's some perks with that. Um if I ever stopped working in higher ed, then that would become a much bigger priority. But I'm still paying off my own college education. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's nice to work in higher ed. Um, I think that the idea is that you help those who need the help 
there's um you know making sure not that everyone has a lot but the le- that the least have what they need right social so, justice that people yes. deserve the basic exactly human rights right housing health care so yes so education so i have retirement accounts and i've had them for as long as dave and dave has retirement accounts that he's had for as long as he's worked and not many people and so here's my other here's coming back so yes i'm 42 and i'm always surprised when i hear about peers that say i'll do that later i'll do that later i'll do Mm -hmm. that later because the best compound interest is such a fun thing to Mm do i always worry when i hear that's kind of like when we talk to jamie about life insurance and stuff if you put the money away it's gone like i'm still working on paying down my student loans I'm very good at saving money that I can't touch, mm-hmm. you know, and so then I end up having more of my money going into those types of accounts than into my checking account to pay off the balance of my student loan or whatever. But yes, the interest I, works out. I so I usually along the financial advice, I will encourage students to pay off their student loans as quickly as possible, especially because in nursing, most new grads will start on a night shift and the pay differential is usually quite significant. Sometimes it can be up to 10,000 or 12,000 extra per year to work nights. But what happens or what can happen is you have no experience working the night shift and you don't often realize what kind of toll it will take on your body physically and your and emotionally. Um, so then they'll hate the night shift because of this havoc that it's wrecked on their life's lives but then they can't switch to the day shift because the pay cut is so substantial so they're kind of trapped so I always suggest that they live on the salary that is the equivalent of the day shift and take the night shift differential to pay down their loans um because a lot of people I mean the number one reason that I'll get for people to say they they won't go into academia uh, or they won't teach, or they won't work in community-based nursing, even though they really want to, is because of finances, too many bills. And so I think one of the big dangers of a new grad is to upscale their life to that salary, because once they do that, they're trapped. And many, many, many of them don't want to work at the hospital forever, but they have no mobility because of their financial... Or they go out and they get their first job, so they go buy a new car. Yeah, exactly. And- you know, start adding to their expenses. Or a house that they can't, that they're right. really stretched to afford to that salary. And and not only in the night shift, but it, and also the hospital salaries on top of that are usually much higher. So then they can't do what they really love mm-hmm. because of finances. And I think that's what cripples the profession is when people aren't in a specialty that they really truly are passionate about and love. They're in a specialty because of money and which is not the best Another uh, piece of advice when you do nurses do resumes. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I always tell people to have somebody else read your resume. Definitely. Even if you think it's perfect, have a second set of eyes on it because you don't, you get too buried in it and you get too up in your head when you're working on, you know, perfecting your resume that you might miss something. I know that I uh, looked at somebody's resume and cover letter that had the wrong year listed mm-hmm. on the on the cover letter date and just they had spent so much time focusing on the cover letter they didn't look at the date and they had typoed the the year and the date so they fixed that and it was fine it was taken care of you know you'll hear people talk about oh I got this great resume great cover letter that started off saying I'm so excited to work at 
smoothie juniors and then halfway down it says oh i really think that the best place for me to work would be smoothie mart Mm -hmm. and they have not gone through and checked to update their cover letter to match where they're applying to so always have somebody else read your resume read your cover letter and another service if you're a college grad use your career services Mm -hmm. office they are there for you through school and after school and they are total nerds about this stuff and they will absolutely sit down and go over your resume your cover letter give you advice we have like a at our school we have a like a career connection bank that um you know there are certain employers that will place their ads with us first to get into the alumni network or to get into the student network because they've had close relationships with whoever or their alumni themselves um so always so visit your campus uh your career services office call them email them they're great i would say this is true even for non-new grads because i sit on a lot of search committees and i i mean it's typically very highly educated people who are applying for jobs and they make that very same mistake that you just said the cover letter will say you know dear x but then down in the letter it will reference another place so it's not it's not just new grads who make that mistake and the other thing is that definitely have someone review your stuff but then also be open to feedback because so often you give feedback and then people think I don't know what they think that you're crazy or that you're being vindictive or whatever it is and a lot of times they won't take feedback which is just silly which yeah and that's kind of part of going into the workforce anyways Mm -hmm. that you have to learn how to take feedback the other thing that I would say so I'm going to reference ask a manager a ton in this episode because I love it it's a blog and she actually did an open like an open um, thread fairly recently about what's the strangest thing you've seen on a resume and it was a riot like some of the things that people put on there when they're actually applying for real jobs are kind of amazing so um, it's a great asking managers is such a good resource to get ideas she actually has a new book out um, that came out not last week and so it's a brand new book and her name is Allison Green but her ask a manager uh, she has a new podcast too but her book and her uh, blog are really interesting and I feel like I've learned so much about fields I don't even know about or how or thought of you know seen stories of things I could never have comprehended but it's a great resource uh, I bought the book for a friend when she was job hunting and it has some great examples and how to write your cover letter to to stand out but not be obnoxious mm-hmm. basically it worked for my friend I think it's really hard sometimes to talk favorably about yourself and so I think a lot of times what happens is people underestimate I can't even get you to say doctor I know (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I told you why I don't like to do that there's so many reasons we're gonna call it dr curls (laughs) the curl doctor yeah yeah I've already thought about that before that'd be good wouldn't it yes so the other thing is um with the resume and the cover letter is networking because so often I'll hear Two things happen. I do a lot of reference check. I provide reference for a lot of people. And they often won't tell me that they applied for a job and they use me as a reference. And usually I'm fine with it. But I can provide a much better reference if people warn me. Because I can say, oh, please send me your resume. Um, What what have you accomplished? Like, what have you been doing in the past six months? But a lot of times I just get these blind reference calls. And, you know, I... We have so many students. Sometimes it's hard to even remember. 
<laughs> I would bet that you're also the kind of instructor that makes everybody feel that they're remembered and makes them feel special. And so it's and so then you're it's calling hard me out when, right now. Well, no, but I, I mean, I think I'm yeah. sort of the same. But then, yeah. you know, three years go by right. and even you, two semesters. Yeah. And you were like, OK, all right. And unless right. it was a real problem. Exactly. It's hard to it's hard to rem- and especially when I mean, you probably have 95 percent female students. Mm hmm. And they all kind of look the same. Yeah. And when you're talking about certain <laughs> demographics or age groups. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it just to give someone a heads up is really wise. And the other thing, too, is to use your resources. Because I've had students and new grads apply for certain positions where I know I am good friends with the hiring manager. But they won't tell me. So right. some of these really competitive positions when you have outstanding. When you know, I mean, you know them very well. And you could have an outstanding influence. They're an outstanding candidate and you could have such an influence on the decision but then they don't even tell you right it, because I think the stats something like 98% of jobs are obtained because you knew somebody within the organization we'll have to we'll have yeah. to fact check that we'll have, we're gonna have to fact check that for sure but it's, it's really high, high. it's really high maybe not 98% but it's really and unu- it's very unusual that you're gonna apply to the job where you know nobody at all blindly and you get the job because it's often an internal candidate, someone who knows someone, a friend right. of a friend, that, who are going to sneak ahead of you. So you've applied and you have a you have a phone interview. If you have a phone interview or a video interview, if a, a video interview especially, dress up like you were going to a real interview, and including your mm-hmm. pants, because you never know if you're going to have to jump up and you want to be wearing pants. Mm-hmm. So. So top to bottom, get ready like you're going to a real face-to-face interview. Also, check your background. Uh, I've heard stories of people who are doing a video interview and the background is just a table strewn with empties, like Mm. empty wine bottles and beer bottles and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, well, that was an interesting insight into that person's personal life. But look around, test your settings before look at your background what are they going to see are they going to see college movie posters just take them down mm-hmm. put a plant i'm thinking of like doctors on demand i was like that has to be in her house because it's like here's a plant and a bookshelf with three books on it and <laughs> that's all that is in this mm-hmm. room i'm like yeah you have all your laundry just out of sight i'm sure um but check your background for a video interview check and your picture, lighting your lighting yeah. even if you get a table lamp with like a daylight bulb in it if mm-hmm. you put that and put it behind your computer screen and kind of angle your lighting it's going to make a huge difference if you have to use a headset and a microphone sometimes that helps if you're in a place like if you were living in an apartment or a situation where it's not quiet around you maybe you have roommates or maybe you there's they're doing construction on the street get a headset and a microphone and just you and if anyone kind of looks at you askance just say oh you know hope you don't mind i've got my headset on because there's construction going on outside of my apartment Uh, but i look i'm really excited to have this conversation um i think that that's important and the other one too is to don't be afraid to ask the question back and to ask for clarification Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that needs to happen more or to take notes take a notebook and pen it nobody's nobody's gonna look at you weird if you come in with your own kind of notebook maybe an extra copy of your resume to say oh this is for like the in-person interview you know you go in your meeting with a, a panel of people 
have backup copies of your resume and just say, oh, I brought extra copies if anyone would like to see it if you haven't seen it yet. Yes, and along those lines, you should always do multiple rehearsals of your interview with a colleague or go to a career center or if you know someone who's in human resources. I actually wrote a paper about this a couple years ago. We collect I collected um, common interview questions and concerns among hiring managers in nursing. And it was really interesting because students were asking, how do I prepare? And I was, I was just giving them my own suggestions, but I thought, oh, this is, I'll just ask, I'm going to put this out to some hiring managers and do, you know, like a mini study on what is important and what are they seeing as challenges. When I put the call out, you would, I got an overwhelming response because hiring managers were saying how unprepared people come to interviews. They can't answer basic questions. Uh, They come dressed very inappropriately. Um, They were saying that they come with their sunglasses on their head with the Dunkin' Donuts coffee. They don't like that. Uh, How you're sitting, even waiting in the waiting room can have a major influence on their decision to hire you or not. I think it's something like 40 seconds. That's how long it takes for a person to decide if they'd hire you or not. So just simply the way you look, which we we hate to say, don't judge a book by its cover, but in an interview, it can really be that way. Um, And so when when I wrote this paper on these sample questions, I used to give it to students to practice. And they would feel so much better because they're not always the exact same question. But if you have something planned more likely than not, you're going to get asked questions like, what are your strengths and weakness? Um, tell me. And, and the, the hiring managers in the study that I'd done, um, they really wanted specific examples because they don't want politician answers about whatever it is. I mean, this this is true for any field. You know, in nursing, if you say, oh, patient-centered care, this is the buzzword now, you could regurgitate that back. I provide patient-centered care. Well, it means nothing if you can't link examples to it and demonstrate that you actually even know what that means right. and how you are doing it or not. Um, so, and I know my friend who works in HR, she she agrees with this statement about practicing interviews and she does mock interviews, you know, for our friends if they want to practice interview questions. So I, I, this is not true for just new grads. I mean, you must have been in interviews where people, it's so clear they weren't prepared. You should be prepared. But you also shouldn't be afraid to ask for clarification yeah. or ask, you know, oh, well, that's unusual. And, you know, in my last position, in my last position, I didn't have those responsibilities, but it sounds like an interesting, have an answer. And even if you need to take a minute to think about it, I would, I think it's better to take a minute and give a thoughtful answer mm-hmm. than to just say, my greatest weakness is that I'm so good. I try to do it all. Right. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My greatest weakness is that I love work right. and being here is the only thing I ever want to do. No, that's BS. We know it. Um, so there's that. The other, uh, and I think the idea that as soon as you arrive to that workplace, that you are being interviewed. There was actually a great, oh, where I think it was on, uh, this might have been Ask a Manager as well. I think it was where this guy was riding the subway. I'm going to paraphrase, but I'll find the story. Was riding the subway to a job interview and ran into this woman or knocked over her bag or she ran into him and he swore at her. It's like, ah, you know, and went off on her and then gets to the interview and who's the person interviewing him. Right. 
But this woman that he just swore at on the subway and guess who didn't get the job? And I remember I even when I worked in retail a million years ago, I remember thinking like, I can't lose my shit at you for being so stupid because someday you might be hiring me for mm-hmm. something else. Mm-hmm. That has that's generally good advice. So your whole way there, when you pull into the parking lot, you know, don't take up three spaces and ding everyone's door. You never know who's watching you in that moment. So I don't know if I've ever confessed on this podcast that James has the worst road, road rage ever. I if you have or not. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is embarrassing, his road rage. And this is what I always say to him when he's in a rage. James, I might know this person. You might know this person. Just keep it together. Take a deep breath. And it's, it's so true. It hasn't happened yet, but... Oh my gosh. Yeah, we've been in altercations before in Massachusetts where this one guy took his parking spot. And so James pulled up behind him. <laughs> the guy got out of the car and he comes toward our car. And I'm, I don't know, five months pregnant and I'm hiding. I'm slouching <laughs> down in the sea like, we're going to die today. This guy's going to shoot us. You know, because I was really paranoid and especially leaving Bangor, Maine to Massachusetts. And anyway, the guy comes over and he said, what's your problem? And James leans out of the car and he goes, my problem is you stole my parking spot. <laughs> I don't know what, why he gets, why he cares so much. Do you have a road rage? No, not like that. I tend to People be. People either do or they don't. My, my, my road rage will be, okay, obviously there's something going on in your life right now that you are not paying attention to the people around you. So maybe you are racing to get to your dying grandmother's side, or maybe you just got an organ transplant text message that you need to get there quick because they have a lung for you. I don't know. I don't know why it is that you're acting like this, but I'm just going to stand back. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fine. (laughs) I think my road rage um, approach is I don't notice it at all. Someone could be going 20 in a 40. I honestly <laughs> just keep on driving. Like, I, don't, I never noticed how pretty this town yeah, was before. I, honestly, it's pretty. Although when we lived in Massachusetts, I did develop a road rage to the point where I showed up one time. And this woman was parked in the middle of a five-way intersection on her cell phone. And so she was blocking traffic in every direction because she got caught in the light. And I was so mad at her. And so I was beeping and then she got mad at me and she f- gave me the bird and then I gave her the bird. <gasps> and, then I, and then the two birds flew off together. So I showed up to my, where I was going, my destination, and I was so worked up. My heart rate must have been 120. I was like, I just gave someone the bird in the car. And everyone there is from Boston. So they were all like, oh my gosh, we can't take I know, her out I of the car. I actually honked at someone a couple of weeks ago, I honked at someone and it's, the girl's like, oh, what was that? But it was somebody, we were at a, the light turned green. They were buried in their phone. And I usually give it like a beat, another beat. Okay, everyone, the cars on next to you are moving and you're not noticing. And so I beeped and then they start beeping back like, oh man, I'm like, you're the one who didn't notice it was green. Right. I didn't want it. And it was like one of those lights that takes forever, you know, I didn't want to get stuck here for the rest of my life. So well, someone did this this to us in a FedEx truck the other day. He didn't go, and so we gave it a beep beep, and then James gave him a toot toot, and then he got really mad and started beeping back at us, even though he was in front of us. <laughs> then he cruises down to the next light, 
and he leans out of his car, starts giving us, flipping us off. Then he pulls over as we're driving by and starts screaming obscenities at us. And we were like, you didn't go. I don't understand how this is our problem. I almost called the number on the back of his FedEx truck, but I decided it wasn't worth it. But it was really wild. I've never experienced it. It was a really severe road rage. So, so always be yes. Don't road rage your way. Don't into, road rage. And it, and if you if it's someplace that's local to you, figure out your route and how to get there, and figure out where the parking is. Yes. And figure out mm-hmm. how long it will take you to get there because, like, so we work on college campuses. Right now, my semester is over, so parking is abundant. You can park <laughs> easily. Mm-hmm. But if you have an interview at ten a.m. on a on a Wednesday of uh, during the semester. You are going to be looking for parking. You were, yeah. and so you don't want a mile. Walk. Oh yeah, you don't want to pull in at nine fifty five because you will be late to your interview. Now I'm also one of those people that is always early. I don't like being late, but it's pick out your route, figure out the parking. If you're particularly if you're going to a college campus, get that information beforehand. Um, some campuses are really are really strict on the uh, ticket system. Some aren't in that one, you know, if you need a parking pass, usually your hiring committee will tell you that you need a parking pass. But if it's summer, you're probably okay. The But I would say it's not just campuses. Uh, The hospitals now are just as if not bigger than college campuses. Every time I go to our local hospital, I have to get one of the escorts because they have these people now in the front who will. You have to get an escort? Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't. Well, <laughs> gotcha. This isn't Saturday Night Live. Sorry. <laughs> but they have helpers. They probably have better ter- titles than that to direct you where to go. And I always have to get one because there's, it's so big and confusing. I don't, I'm not there very often, thankfully. So it's, I haven't run into that. I think with I think that the difference with campuses is that because it's such a fluctuating parking population, you they don't want to build a parking lot for every student that might be there in March because you know because and because it's shifting all the time. But anyway, figure out how to get there, get there early. So then during the interview, what are some things that you have that you would advise or that you would advise against? Don't chew gum. Don't bring a coffee unless it was provided to you by the people at the interview. Don't text for sure. Mm-hmm. Turn just turn off your phone. Yeah, definitely. Also, I would say don't put your sunglasses on top of your head if it's summer, and then try to be positive. The sunglasses thing would be wicked hard for me because I do it. I'll it'll be nine o'clock at night here in my own house. I'm like, oh, my sunglasses are still on the top mm-hmm. of my head. I'm very much a glasses on the head type person. Mine is. Have some questions ready to ask. Yeah, that too. Of the committee. Um, and sometimes if you're not sure of, you might have questions that come up during the interview. But if you're not, one of the things that can be good to ask is, how did you end up at Acme Industries? Or, you know, what would you say is one of the best things about working for Acme Industries? Mm-hmm. You know, what what is the five-year plan? Or you could ask things like that. Um, don't ask about pay don't ask about benefits and all that that's hr conversation depending on how you're on how the employer handles it someone else might have that conversation so the committee in general in my experience the committee has no idea what 
the pay is really going to be and doesn't have the details on that. Uh, and there is moves now to stop asking when you get to that phase to stop asking about what your previous salary was, because it's one of those things that has helped grow the wage gap, the gender wage gap is by basing the uh, new job salary on the employer employee's past salary, where they may have been totally underpaid for what it is that they do and what their real value is. So Ask a Manager, again, has some great resources on how to push back on that question without seeming like a jerk. And how to say, oh, like, I think California, they're not allowed to ask it anymore. But, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, some people might not know that. So here's how to gently push back on it without being like, I'm not telling you that it's against the law because that comes off really brash. Yeah. And the other thing is you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. I see, you know, we see some posts in the um, mom threads mm-hmm. about women feeling inferior to men for certain circumstances like they're pregnant or they're breastfeeding and they're concerned about interviews but I would say if you feel that way about an organization you don't want to work there Mm -hmm. so when you ask these really specific questions like you just gave some really good ones um, what brought you to this company or what do you love most about working here or uh, what's the culture describe the culture and they have a hard time answering I think those are all red flags uh, depending on what their answers are and I, it's just as important for you to like where you work as it is to have a job. Although I know some of the, it's easier for me to say because nursing is abundant with job opportunities. <laughs> so we really don't have to settle. And I think that's one of the other um, challenges for employers of nurses is creating ideal work environments because nurses won't settle. They don't have to. There's so many job opportunities. So so if they if there are red flags in the interview, don't work there. Especially don't work there just because of the money either. You know, some some organizations pay more than others, but if it's going to be a horrible environment, then what's it's not worth it to your health. And sometimes and again, this comes from my <clears throat> best internet friend, ask a manager who doesn't know who I am. But uh, is it really just one person or is it a team? Oh, yeah. No, it's one person. I don't know how she puts out this much content except for that this many people are emailing her their crazy work stories. Huh. And the other part, too, is to just sort of listen to how other people talk about it and listen for red flags and look at the how the hiring committee works. And if it seems like a really disorganized, scatterbrained mm-hmm. hiring process, that might be a sign that it's a disorganized, scatterbrained organization. Listen, like I know I had a friend who had an interview with someone and who... The guy raved about how his last assistant never took a sick day and was always there. And the vibe that she got was that taking a sick day would be frowned upon. Mm-hmm. And not that they are someone who calls in sick all the time, but sometimes you got to call in sick. And it was just, oh, no, no, you, of course, I, 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 if you need to call in sick, that's fine. Well, yeah, it is fine because it's in our state, even it's protected by law, but it was just, uh, Yes, it's legal, but is it going to be accepted? Right. Are you going to be talked about like, oh, says she's sick, air quotes, you know? Yeah, there are cultural expectations even within units, even if there are laws or policies. And for major corporations and things like that, there's like Glassdoor where you can look and read employer employee reviews, which total grain of salt to take that because you know that anybody who gets canned is going to probably go to Glassdoor 
and leave a horrible review, but it can be sort of give you some insight into what other companies are doing. It can be also give you insight into what other salaries are for your job title, which can be useful as well. Um, another great book is called Ask For It, and I am forgetting the author's name, but it's about women don't negotiate. Women are set, are told, here is your salary, and they go, oh, okay, thanks. And so Ask For It is all about negotiating, negotiating pay, negotiating raises, negotiating benefits, all of those kinds of things. And I, if you are a new grad and a woman, I would absolutely recommend reading that book. Um, some like teaching, it's, it, it, it's unionized. And so it's very, there is no room to negotiate on salary. Teaching is you get, you have a bachelor's degree and no experience. You start here and you'll work your way up. But for any other industry where there is some negotiation room, it's important to ask for that because it compounds over years and can make a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. The other thing is there's another great book, 48 Days to the Job You Love. I was going to use it as my favorite thing, but since we're going for book recommendations, it's really a great book. It provides step-by-step instruction or advice about how to go after a job that you're really passionate about. And he talks about how many encounters you have to have with an organization or hiring manager to make sure that they remember your name. And it goes... Um, Without calling the cops. Yeah, exactly. And it and it go and it talks about the thank you letter afterward and being really forward and upfront about when you're when they'll meet and schedule the interview. And I think it's a, I think it's a five touch process. Um, and and he spells out what to say in the letters and everything. And it, it's a it's a fantastic book. The other thing too to think about is to look at the jobs that when you're applying for them ask for it had this I'm pretty sure talked about how women men will look at a job description and say oh yeah there's 10 there's 10 skills needed Mm -hmm. I've got four Mm -hmm. cool I'm applying for that it sounds like it'd be a cool job and women will look and say well there's 10 skills and I have nine but the 10th I'm a little shaky on so I better not apply because I don't meet their requirements and particularly if you you know have shown yourself to be somebody who can learn new things, who is a lifelong learner, who can problem solve and be a critical thinker. You know, I think that those types of people for most things could probably be taught that anything thing. Yeah. You know, and so men tend to be way more confident about their skills and women tend to play them down. And even the job that I have now that I've had for almost a, a dozen years when I first read the job description, it was like that. There were 10 things and there was one in there. And I talked to some friends who did that 10th thing. I said, I've never even, you know, I've heard of it, you know, and I've done other code, but I've never done this. Oh, it'll be easy. There's some good online classes. And this was like literally 12 years ago. So I applied for the job and I obviously interviewed and got it. And then you know how many times I ever was asked to do that 10th thing? Zero. Zero. Yeah. And the, the person who hired me, um, became like a work friend and all that and said, yeah, you know, we just kind of thought it might be good to have someone else who knew how to do that just in case. And so we threw it on there. (laughs) And it wasn't an essential skill because there were 10 other people who knew how to do it. But they were like, oh, maybe she could just run her own reports or, you know, they could run their own reports, whoever was hired. But I cannot agree with that more. And I think this is sometimes why my world views are skewed because I've I've always been an optimist. So I've every job I've had except for the one I have right now, I would 
when I applied for it, I was technically not qualified. Either I didn't have the degree they wanted or I didn't have the experience that they desired. And I just I just went for it anyway because I really wanted it, especially when I was trying to get into wellness because I went into it really early in my career with worksite wellness and I didn't have any experience. I hadn't been a nurse that long and they wanted someone with an, a master's in public health. And at that time, I didn't even have a master's degree or they wanted someone who'd been a nurse a lot longer or whatever. I never worried about it. I just went for it. And see, James is much more critical when he sees a job description. He'll analyze each line and say, oh, no, I can't do that. Like I can't I can't apply for that because I, I don't I've never heard of this before. I don't even know what they're talking about. And I'm like, oh, you're fine. Just go for it. And even with that 10th thing, when I interviewed, I had looked it up. I had researched it. And my answer to that, and I'm, I can't remember if they even asked me about it, was sort of, you know, I am familiar with these other types of systems, but I, have, I haven't done that one specifically. But I really feel like my background in these other systems would give me a good baseline to learn this new one. And it worked. Yeah, I absolutely. That's what I'm saying kind of about new grads with underestimating themselves too with the resumes because a lot of times you'll read the resume the first draft of the resume and it, it seriously just screams I'm a student I know nothing and it's just <laughs> it's not true you know especially now the new new grads if they're of a younger age demographic their strength is in technology typically not all not all of them but they're techno technologically savvy and they can multitask typically um, which is an asset to employers who are moving to a digital age. And then older demographics who are new graduates have that life experience mm-hmm. with the recent education, which is a different core set of skills. And a lot of times it's better to take a person who has no experience at all and train them exactly how you want them as opposed to taking somebody with a lot of experience and beliefs you know, black or white beliefs of this is how it's done. You know, you've heard this a million times. Oh, let's try this. No, we've we've always done it this way. I hate it's that. It's the ham thing. I've told Yeah. This is the ha- <laughs> have, you, have I told you the ham thing? Oh, you told me in a nice meeting we had. So the ham thing is and this actually came from my the person who hired me who thought maybe I might need to know this reports. But it was uh, so the ham parable is that this woman is um Every year she bakes a ham for Easter and she cuts off the end and puts it in the pan and cooks it. And every year she does this. And her husband finally says, why do you always cut off the end of the ham? And she goes, oh, you know, I don't know. I, there's some reason we do it. I can't remember. I, I'm going to call my mom because that's how I learned to do it. You cut off the end of the ham, put it in the pan. So she calls her mom and says, mom, why do we cut the end of the ham off? What's the purpose of that? And her mom goes, oh, I never had a pan big enough. So <laughs> she was always, so this woman in this parable is going on and keeps cutting the ham never stopped to ask why they were doing it and just continued on so so is this a ham thing is something that gets tossed around my office you know fairly regularly like okay is this a ham thing or is this something we really need to keep doing this way this um this was Gretchen's analogy when she became my advocate for school health Ham for health. Yes. That's going to be our our slogan. Our slogan. I liked it. <laughs> hey, it worked. After the interview? Thank you note, for sure. Handwritten preferably. I guess email they say is good. I still prefer a handwritten thank you note. Um I don't know. I really think it makes you stand out because I make my students write thank you notes every year to their preceptors, and honestly, it's the most difficult 
assignment and it's not even an assignment that we do all semester and I'm not even joking you I mean they'll ask me what do I write and and so at first when I first would receive these responses I talked to my colleague I'd say they asked me what to write in a thank you note and she said to me well Kelly it's probably because they've never written one you know people just don't do that anymore and I go oh so now I'm a little gentler about it so now I review a thank you note (laughs) what you should put in it what makes a good thank you note etc but I do think that this happens so infrequently that when you send a handwritten thank you note you are going to stand out yep um it's and it's soft skills yeah everybody just it that's what I tell my students as well because everybody is going to leave and both of both of our fields of study have licensure requirements Mm -hmm. so everyone's going to leave they're going to get their license there's not going to be a lot to differentiate them from everyone else yes I'm a new grad I'm licensed I'm certified let's go yeah it's the soft skills that set you apart and soft skills are knowing how to dress and how to be professional in the interview or sending the thank you note or um just uh understanding the the etiquette when you're on the phone which is we actually a a group I worked with had nothing to do with work but they got a complaint because the office had a new employee who was younger who was terrible on the phone and so parents would call and they would answer and just be like what Mm -hmm. uh well I'm calling to check on xyz okay like had no phone skills and I said well honestly how often do we use the phone? Mm-hmm. How often do kids use the phone? They don't. Do you remember like running to answer your home phone? Yes. My kids never answer a home phone. Exactly. You know, it's it's one of those skills that just isn't there. So having good phone etiquette is something that can be kind of important. Um, oh, what was the other one that I was going to say with the went along with the phone etiquette, but I forget. With the soft skills. I do. I, I'm hearing more and more that employers would prefer strong interpersonal skills over intellectual ability at my school actually believe it which has a very strong business department one of the things that they do every year that they offer to um, graduating seniors is an etiquette dinner and they have Mm. a they put on a dinner and students can go up there and learn which fork is for what and it was the idea came from a faculty member who was a first generation college student and mm-hmm. the first time he went to a business dinner he had he had never had salad before because he grew up very poor and he had no idea how to eat the salad and he knew he needed to figure it out so now he is sort of the sponsor of this etiquette dinner so that people who are feeling like they might not fit in to this professional world because they're first generation college students or because of their background get to learn the proper way how to put your napkin on your lap how to you know which glass is yours the bread plate passing food all of that kind of stuff that isn't taught in a class Mm -hmm. which I think is a brilliant class I could probably use one Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah if you're gonna get if you get really technical with the fine dining etiquette it's complicated oh yeah with the wine smelling I hate that I hate yeah. going to a fancy restaurant and ordering wine because I don't want to go through that. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable to me. Then they'll hand it to you if you ordered it. Then the, everyone's looking at you while you take your sip. You're like, yeah, it's the finest friends yeah I've mm, ever sniffed. Delicious. Get this. <laughs> get this over with. <laughs> so the soft skills, the writing the thank you note, and, and depending on sometimes if it's a tight timeline, 
you can, you know, at minimum, email the hiring manager a thank you note. Mm -hmm. And don't just say, bro, thanks. Mm -hmm. Peace out. Gee. But say, you know, thank you so much. And if you are really, if you have gotten a really strong vibe that you want to work there, say it in the thank you note. Like after our interview, I'm even more excited about the opportunity to join your team. I think I'd be a great fit. Something that lets them know that you're into it. You yeah, know? and also something that you're going to give to them because organizations really are egocentric. They want to know what is in it for them. So reiterating what you can do for them. And this 48 Days to the Job You Love scripts are really great. Like this is what I could do for you. Mm-hmm. after my interview I and we talked about this I could really help you with this so I really can't recommend that book enough it's a great book I'll have to check it out just yeah. to, just because I am the I am a super like so my my dream job money is no object I know I could do it if uh you knew you couldn't fail what would you do job would be comedy writer but my other like plan b is like i would be really good in training and development in hr mm-hmm. well you kind of do it on the side <laughs> because gretchen talks- i need to like fi- i need to get this to be mo- i need to monetize my benefits well, help. gretchen convinced G- gretchen convinced me to go to an hsa which i did used to have an hsa back in the day but my health insurance my basic health insurance plan was so g- good really i never took the time when an HSA became available to do the math again. So Gretchen did the math for me. I moved over to an HSA. So now I'm on an HSA. So now I am hyper vigilant of all the bills. So I get this bill because Cameron's been struggling with some ear infections. He ruptured his tympanic membrane. It's been this whole ordeal. So I had two visits to the primary care office two days apart for the same issue. And I was noticing on the bill for one of the visits, they charged me $100 more than another. So I call the office. See, I never would have done this if I just paid a copay. And I call the office and I said, this is odd. You know, one time I was charged 150 The next time I was charged 250 She said, oh, well, the second provider leveled, uh, coded the visit for a higher acuity. And I said, okay, well, I could see the chief complaint was different because one was for the tympanic membrane rupture and one was for ear pain. But the intervention by the provider was exactly the same. They looked into the ear and provi- and prescribed an antibiotic. I don't know how you can charge me $100 more for doing the exact same thing. She goes, okay, well, we could send it to an audit. And I said, yes, please do. So then I told Gretchen. She was so excited. <laughs> but that's, it, that really, everyone should have an HSA because I am so mindful of spending. And then I just had a call yesterday because um, I had a hearing test for Cameron last month. And it, it's almost $300. And now they're telling me I need to have another one. Because they don't see any fluid behind his ear, but he still can't hear out of it. So it's not fluid this time, so now I have to go have another one, which doesn't make any sense to me. And HSA is almost always going to be more cost beneficial to you than than paying the premiums for an HMO and co-pays and the max out of pocket. Yeah. I have a whole spreadsheet. I have a calculator. I can put the link to my, my, my healthcare helper, I call it, and it has a whole document and it has the calculator and it is it's really pretty great well and i I think that's a really important component of accepting a job especially multiple job offers understanding the benefits because a lot of times people will say oh well i can't work there you know i get this a lot we get i'm sure you do too oh i can't i can't do academia because pay is terrible but they don't look at the comprehensive picture 
Sometimes your 401k match, your health insurance costs, and your time off significantly outweigh the hourly pay at another employer that isn't giving a match at all or 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 their um what's the deductible on the health insurance is so high. Yes. It's not worth it. And it's and that's the kind of thing that you can you should feel free to ask HR because they probably have the little pamphlet that they give every new employee Mm -hmm. and just say, before I make a decision, can I please have a a benefits uh, packet to review? So what is the match? How much do they match? What is it? What do the plans look like? What are the deductibles? What are the premiums? There are so many different variables and I love to nerd out on stuff like that. And I have helped a ton of people both at my workplace and other workplaces look at their numbers and be able to figure it out because it's just one of those things that I can just see and I know and I know how to decode it. Um, but I love my HSA. So even when you're dealing with all these like what look like big medical bills, it would actually in the end probably cost more. It would still cost more to be doing the old traditional plan. It would. And actually, I just got a, I just received a call and it's the audit. It's the result of the audit. Are they giving you your money back? I don't know. It says I have to call them. Oh. So. Don't you love <laughs> voicemail transcription? Yes. It's the best because I hate voicemails. This is the new age. So we have, so we've covered the, the thank you note. You get an offer. You can always take some time to consider the offer. And usually, you know, usually at minimum 24 hours. Sometimes you might say, you know, can I talk it over with my family and get back to you on Monday or give, you know, don't make it an endless amount of time. But then when you have the offer, you can negotiate and say, you know, that I would love to come work for you, but I have had four weeks vacation in my current place of employment. And, you know, is there any way that we can adjust the benefits to not be the standard two weeks for a new employee, but to match my tenure at my current place and give me those benefits. And that kind of stuff is, is generally, like that's that's not that's easy to ne- easier to negotiate almost sometimes I think more than the salary. Well, and the other thing too that I I just remembered is my sister um, was just going to a lot of interviews. Is that when they try to schedule an interview, often there is flexibility with the scheduling of the interview because I don't know if you see this with students, but I was see I see it with students and my sister. They'll call and say we'd like to give you an interview Wednesday at two, but let's say the students have class at that time. They think they have to skip class for the right. interview, but they don't. They could just say, oh, thank you so much. I'm ver- I'm so excited. Could we make the interview 3.30 because I have class until 3? Or you don't even oh, really yeah, have absolutely. to tell them. My sister was doing this. She was working at a job that she, um, and she wanted, she was interested in doing something else. So she had all these interviews set up and they were scheduling them in her work day. So she started leaving work to go to the interviews, but it was getting a little noticeable. So she was a little stressed about it. And I said, oh, you could ask. To have a different time, just say, you're working until four. Could we please schedule it at four or eight or on your lunch break? So she did that to the first employer that offered her an interview. And they said, well, sorry, we're going to skip over you because we have so many applicants. (laughs) (laughs) But I told her that's very unusual. But you know what? You don't want to work at a place like that. At a place that would make you compromise your current job. No. For an, tell them, oh, this is your only option. You don't want to work at a place like that. Exactly. And that's exactly what it is. And then that's a bullet that is dodged. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, that I would say is that there are so many just weird jobs out there. I'm always surprised. And it's easy. You know, we're like teacher, nurse, yeah. teaching. 
you know, listen, keep your ear to the ground. And most of them are not advertised in the classifieds. Most of them, you know, Indeed is a pretty good website to look at. There's other sites, but sometimes you're just going to hear about it because somebody's, there's an opening at someone's company. Listen I love one of my favorite you're you like to nerd out with HSA accounts and yes these sorts of things I love looking at the job board I look at it every single day m- probably multiple times a day and I just I'm very interested to see the types of jobs that are out there if I know anyone who's looking for a job oh yeah I love helping them find a job well it's like there's one right now for a a research assistant for Dartmouth. Yes. But it's posted, posted here. in Bangor. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty. Did I send that cool. to you? Yeah, you did. Yeah. OK. And then I put it on Twitter. I want I want someone to get that job. I don't even <laughs> I don't even know who it might be, but that's a really awesome opportunity. Yeah. That doesn't come up that often. I sent that all to anyone I possibly knew. And then once you have a job, my my thing that I would say once you've been in a job is once a year. So I've been in my job for forever now and I love my job and I don't intend on leaving it anytime soon because I'm really happy where I'm at but I still once a year look at my resume and update it just because if I don't and I because every year when I go oh yeah that's right I did that if I don't then I might forget to include some accomplishments because they just become part of the background noise in your own head so just so keep it current keep it updated and I like and then I've had to use it for like some volunteer positions or something. They need a resume. Oh, here's my current resume. It's done. Yeah, I have to do. I do that a lot. Well, you have multiple, a CV. Multiple so. times. Yeah. So, I wish I had a person for that. An editor? Yes. I'm sure you could pay someone to do it. Oh, my God. Because that gets unruly. Yeah. CVs are crazy. Favorite thing? My favorite thing is my hydro flask. And that sounds like it's a flask, like an alcoholic <laughs> flask, which it's not. It's a water bottle. That keeps beverages hot and cold for 24 hours, but it's thinner than a Nalgene, mm-hmm. so it can hold. It, it's really nice in your hand. I got it from Shire as a birthday present last year. It's I love that water bottle so much. They're kind of expensive. They're about thirty dollars, but they're awesome. Nice. Yeah, it's it's um, aluminum. Okay, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So it's it's um, environmentally friendly and. Nice. It looks sleek. Does it get hot on your hand? No, it doesn't get hot on your hand. If you have a hot beverage in there, or if you know, if you have an, if I put a smoothie in there, it doesn't get cold on your hand. Nice. Very yeah, cool. It's awesome. Mine is going to be a podcast app called Overcast, mm. which I used to use Downcast forever, and, and it was a ham thing because Downcast is one of the best alternatives to Apple Podcasts are terrible. That it's not a good app. So. I used Downcast forever and ever and ever. And then I kept hearing about Overcast. I was like, well, I'll try it and see what it's like. And I love it because it pulls in all my episodes. It has an Apple Watch app so that my player is on my wrist. So if I'm listening to a podcast while I'm doing dishes and I need to pause, I can just you know open up my watch and pause it right there or go forward 30 seconds or back 30 seconds. I, I can adjust the volume, I think. Oh, I use the Apple one, I think, and it I can do that. The Apple one is no has uh, historically it's been pretty terrible. Delete I don't stuff. like it. I didn't know you could even do other options. Oh yeah, Overcast. There you go. I'm and gonna get it. You have to get it. And the other thing is that it also when you set up an account, which is free, like it's just your email, it syncs to my computer. So I have an Overcast window on my computer, 
And like, so today we went for a walk this morning. I listened to a podcast on the way over and then I put my headphones away when we went walking and I listened to more on the way back and I still wasn't done until like 10 minutes left. So when I got to work, it picked up, I opened up my computer and it's right where I left off. Hmm. There's 10 minutes left and I played and finished the rest of my computer and I love it. Overcast. There's a premium version, which I don't pay for. I just have the regular one, but I love it. Overcast. Those headphones you had on this morning were serious. Are those your wireless? Oh, those, those are like twenty dollar wireless so big. earbuds. What? They're they're pretty big. Oh yeah. Well, I don't. I have weird ears. Like I, <laughs> like the AirPods and stuff that people have for iPhone. Yeah. They don't interest me because I have never the earbuds and earpods and all that stuff that come with the iPhone have never fit in my ear. No, they don't fit in mine either. I don't know whose ear they're they're obviously molded on like <laughs> some white man in a suit's ears. Like, oh, no, these James doesn't everyone. like them either. Oh, they're terrible. Yeah. So the AirPods are like a neat idea, but I'm like, none of your products fit in my ears. Why would this $300 pair of wireless earbuds fit in my ears? But no, yeah, they're kind of big, but I like them to be if I don't stick them all the way in, I can still hear ambient noise. And mm-hmm. I like that when I'm, especially when I'm walking by myself so that I can be aware of my surroundings. Nice. Not as big as my other ones. <laughs> I was, well, the ones you have on right now. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> these ones are big. Anyway. All right. Awesome. Well, so good luck to everyone on a job search. Yes. It's stressful, but also can be worth it in the end. And every interview is a practice interview. Like don't, don't yeah. Turn, don't turn on turn down a job that you were never that you haven't been offered yet. So apply to what that means is apply even if you think you won't get it. Don't turn it down before you've been rejected already. Just apply. And the other one is that if you go and you feel like you bombed it, that's like your throwaway interview. You practiced. You had an idea in your thank you note. You can just say thank you so much for meeting you and you know I or that's a great time too if you completely blank on a question. I realized when you asked me about XYZ that I didn't really have a good answer. And in hindsight, what I wish I would have said is blah, blah, blah. Correct any answers that you had to then. So anyway, we have some awesome guests coming up in the next few weeks. And Mm. I am so excited about that. But in the meantime, Kelly's going to Jamaica. Yes, I am. So she's going to tell me how it is. Oh, it's going to be amazing, I hope. Because then I started, I am optimistic, but then I thought I have this illusion a vision of Jamaica being the most amazing thing I've ever done so I had to kind of talk myself down a little bit like okay what (laughs) if it wasn't the most amazing thing you've ever done so I thought okay well it could rain every day which would be a bummer but then I still decided that wouldn't be that bad but you're gonna have this is to celebrate your 10th anniversary right you're going kid free you get to have a whole like 10 days silence of silence with your husband and even if it rains there like what i've read and i can show you the weather reports like it'll say rain but it rains for five minutes and then it's done so that's what i've heard too that the, it looks the the forecast looks like it's thunder and lightning every day but it, that's just standard so yeah we'll so see. you'll have fun yeah so until next time bye bye